We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. So as time is limited, let me catch you up on where we are in the story before I jump into Scripture. All those years ago, what would have been all those years ago and last night's, Jesus and his disciples would have shared the Last Supper. Of course, it was called the Last Supper because it was Jesus' Last Supper. Jesus and the three went to pray in the garden. And it was last night and early into the wee hours of this morning all those years ago that the disciples fell asleep on Jesus while he went a little further to pray. And as Jordan read the scriptures earlier today where Jesus, he sweat blood and prayed, God, if you would let this cup pass, but if not, your will be done. All of these things have happened. It was then that Judas shown up and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Jesus has been arrested. The disciples have fled. Jesus has faced the Sanhedrin and been beaten for the first time. As this has all unfolded, Peter has now denied Jesus three times as the rooster wakes many up early Friday morning. As the rest of Jerusalem wakes up, Jesus is brought before Pilate to be arraigned. And here's where we pick up the scripture together in Mark 15. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast... He was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask Pilate to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Here's where I pause because this is one of the first places I see me in this story. Here's one of the first places you should see yourself in this story. Number one, I am Barabbas. When I read this story, I'm reminded that I am Barabbas. I am the sinner in this story. I am the one who deserved death. Barabbas should have been the one who took the cross that day. It's Barabbas that we find ourselves in the story. You may be saying, speak for yourself, pastor. I haven't killed anyone. I'm not a murderer. Just wait till the end of the story. But also me remind you of the white lie concept we spoke of last week 
You may not have done all the atrocities of Barabbas. But just as there's no such thing as a white lie, there's no such thing as little sin. The book of Romans makes clear that we have all sinned one way or another. And that any sin committed inevitably deserves death. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. Say all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means other than Jesus, no one has lived a sinless life. And that's exactly why Jesus had to come and do what only he could do. We go to read in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I put Romans 3.23, all have sinned, and I go to Romans 6.23, and it says, For the wages of sin is death. That means all of us have sinned. What is sin? It's simply missing the mark. Many of us have thrown a dart. Missing the bullseye for your life is sin. And you may say, well, that doesn't seem fair. God must have known we would sin. He knew we would sin, but that's why he sent Jesus to be the answer. Every moment of weakness in your life should lead you to the cross. Every sin that you've ever committed every thought you didn't take captive, every action you should have never acted upon, it should lead us to the fact that it is our sin that has separated us from God. And that our sin deserves death. But for Jesus Christ, who chose to take our death and exchange us life for death. It's a beautiful exchange. The death of the sinner crucified should have been me, should have been you. Instead, Jesus, knowing there had to be blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, as it says in the Old Testament, in the law, Jesus chose to take our sin and place it on the cross with himself. That his sinless blood would cover the sins of mankind. And as we pick back up in verse 12, it goes on to say, What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Crucify him! They shouted all the louder. Crucify him! here I see myself again in the story I am the crowd yelling crucify him see we oftentimes think that we would do it differently if we were there but it's the sinful nature that shows up in scripture that proves just how humanity did act how it would act again You say, this is really ultra heavy. No, we we need to understand that when we read scripture, we're in it. Our part may have been played by somebody else, but we're very much represented there. It was the cry of sinners who yelled crucify him. 
and I'm to be counted as one of the sinners that day. As I say, this isn't to be overdramatic. It's to properly wear the weights of that day so that you can understand the freedom that came on Resurrection Sunday. It was I who yelled, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! As sin spoke. It was also I who Pilate tried to appease when he said in verse 15, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I also see my sin in this part because it was my sin that brought upon the lashes. We cannot disconnect ourselves from this story, church. It's when we allow ourselves to disconnect ourselves from the story that we live a life of walking half awake, more like a sleepwalking nature. Saying, I believe in Christ. Saying that Jesus is my Savior, but living as if nothing has ever changed because I never felt the weight of the sin I asked him to forgive me for. I never considered the fact that when it says repent, it literally means to do an about face and to walk away from the place I was walking. It means to walk away from the life of sin. It means to walk away from the thing that was causing the lashes on Jesus' back. It was for me to understand now as I read this story again and again that I was very much present that day from someone else standing in. If Jesus went to the cross as an innocent man, then every hardship, every beating, the undeserved agony was my sin being applied to his skin. When we talk about the lashes that Jesus received, how many lashes was it? Some may say it was 39 because the Jewish law says that they weren't to give him 40. But can I remind you, the Jews were not crucifying him. And I promise you, the Romans did not care about Jewish culture or law. Every one of those lashes, regardless of how many it was, I've got to see myself in the story. I've got to see it was my shortcomings and my failures and my sin just as much as anyone else's. Picking up in verse 17, it says, they put a purple robe on Jesus and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. I remember standing at Golgotha about four years ago, standing on the site and, and looking and having this very real thought, the same thought I share with you, 
I led him to Golgotha. My sin sent him to the cross. Now, no one could make him take the cross. He chose to take the cross, as the scripture says. But I'll tell you, when I'm reminded of what his prayer looked like in the Garden of Gethsemane, just last night, all those years ago, he would have liked the cup to pass, but it was my sin and your sin that couldn't allow it to pass. I led him to Golgotha. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For our sake he made him to be sin. Who? God made his son Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was not a sinner. Jesus didn't deserve any of this. But in the Old Testament when somebody sinned, they had to offer a sinless animal on the altar so that the sinless blood would pay for the price of sin. And as we read the scripture, we see that God said, I'm not going to toil with this any longer. We're not going to do it like this anymore. I'm going to send the one and only. I'm going to send the spotless lamb. I'm going to send my only son. He will be the, uh, the propitiation. He will be the atonement. He will be the perfect payment once and for all for every sin that was committed. And can I tell you, Jesus' blood would have been there was no just enough. Jesus' blood the perfect sinless blood we may look at it and say what an overpayment but it was the only payment that would do it. It was my sin that wounded him. It was my sin that brought upon the chastisements and the beatings in Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, with those lashes, we are healed. 1 Peter 2 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So as we think about Jesus being nailed on that tree, on which he hung hour after hour, it becomes so much more personal when I realize it was my sin that led him to the cross. But it it was his love for us that allowed him to endure it. This is hard. I know it's hard. But what I want you to know is he loved you. You, Susie, you, Jack, you, Jose. He loved you so much. He took the cross. I'm thankful he took your sin to that cross too as he did mine. At noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, we see darkness fall over the land as Jesus hangs on the cross. 
It says in verse 33, At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. I see myself in the story here again. Because my sin was the reason he was forsaken. See, God had to allow Jesus to die. He couldn't intervene if this was going to be the payment for our sin. Someone says, well, why did God allow Jesus to die? He could have stopped it. Of course he could. And Jesus could have stopped it just by saying, stop, uncle. Well, father, no uncle, just father. But he had to die. He had to pay the death that we deserve. Thankful the story doesn't end there. Thankful for where we'll be Sunday. But for this moment, my sin was the reason he was forsaken. These are the hardest scriptures to read as as a child and as a father. This is heartbreaking to know that he felt forsaken, he felt disconnected, he felt completely left. I don't ever want my kids to feel like I'm not, I'm not there. I can't be there to help them. God chose to step away so that Jesus could do what only Jesus could do. But I'm thankful Jesus dealt with the separation dealt with taking our sin to the cross and dying for that sin so that we could have life. That we could enter and be welcomed into God's family and an eternal reward. Mark 15, 39, it says, And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. See, it's here that I see us in the story again. Because this story, all of this was done so that I would be the one who also says, truly, this is the Son of God. Jesus endured it all so that we could have that same moment of revelation. Just as the soldier did, that that we too would be faced with the reality of Jesus. All that he did So that we could stand here and say, Jesus truly is the Son of God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, it didn't just end at the cross. We're going to talk a lot more Sunday about all that was to come. But I need you to see yourself in this story, church. I need you to see where your sin was applied to his skin. Where it was our sin that led him to Golgotha. All of it so that we too could stand there and have that revelation moments 
Jesus, it is you. You are the Son of God. You truly are the Son of God. See, there is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. There is no resurrection without the cross. And that is something we need to understand. There is still power in the cross. That is still the power of the cross. That our life doesn't have to end when life ends. That there's more to it. That that the day we are laid to rest, it's actually not a period, but instead a comma. And because of Jesus, we get to choose life. We get to choose blessing. It was because of the beautiful exchange of his momentary death that, law, that, that offers us eternal life. We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.